This is episode seven of the Ask a Freelancer podcast. Ask a Freelancer is brought to you by Cushion, a simple forecasting app for freelancers. Cushion gives you a bird's eye view of your schedule and income so you can plan months ahead and reach your financial goals for the year. Learn more about Cushion at cushionapp.com. Let's get to the questions for today's show. Now remember, these are questions that you sent to at Cushion app on Twitter. And somehow we also have uh, recordings of you asking the questions. What does your project management workflow look like? Do you have designated admin days? Okay, so this first question is about whether I have admin days set aside uh, and workflow and how that all works out. So you got to think about it like sports, offense and defense. Let's talk about football. It's football season uh, at the time of this recording. It's just getting, just kicking off, if you will, kind of a pun. Uh, <laughs> and I think... Here's what I think workflow is all about and how to think about it for yourself. There's no one size fits all. And I think thinking about it in terms of like general principles is a, uh, a better way of approaching this. And the number one thing to think about is when are you at your peak performance in terms of your intellect? Hopefully, your career is based on work that only you can do like you are doing the work that is most suited to you and when someone passes you a problem they need you at your top performance they need you engaged intellectually they need you your your mind to be switch on so you're doing that real good deep work and that kind of work the work where you're creating something you're you're you know the core of your business you should be doing that work at your peak performance. So for me personally, I'm a morning person and I've realized that from about 5 a.m. to 10 a.m., that's when I'm at my best. And whether it's recording something like this, recording my podcast, uh, doing editorial illustration, things that engage my thinking and I'm, and I'm trying to be at my best, I find I need to do that work when my mind is at its most sharp. And that's my offense. That's the quarterback. You know, he's tactical. He's got to be totally switched on, head in the game, really at the peak performance. Now, the other things that the managerial, the admin, the invoicing, the emails, all this other stuff doesn't take my smartest brain. It doesn't take all of my physical, mental, spiritual energy. And that stuff can be done just with sheer brute force. And that's the defense. Like you don't have to overthink it. Just tackle that guy. Like put your willpower behind it. Pure, sheer grit. And so I try to do all that auxiliary uh, stuff in the afternoons. I try to get my my tough, uh, deep work done in the morning try to get all of the other stuff just by the skin of my teeth and the and my sheer brute force and get all that other stuff done in the afternoon. You might be totally different. I think you have to kind of be aware of when is your peak performance. My wife is the exact opposite. 
Uh, a lot of her peak performance happens after dinner time, and there's no right or wrong. I think it's just important to understand when you need to be doing your deep work and when you can do all the other stuff and kind of find that rhythm for yourself. Another important note with freelance is that I think one of the core things about a great freelancer is the ability to be flexible because what's going to happen is you're going to have this fantastic rhythm. You're going to have, you know, your peak performance times and this is the time where I'm on defense and this is how everything works. And then all of a sudden you get a project that totally explodes everything, takes over your entire life and everything goes out the door and that's okay. And that happens, um, happens to everybody. And so I think another thing to be mindful of is sometimes you just got to go in survival mode, get stuff done, hit the deadlines and fit in it, fit everything else in into the gaps. If you were to grow your solo business, what role would you hire as your first employee? So this question is about who would I hire if I was going to go from being a solopreneur to an entrepreneur, or go from a freelancer to being more of a small business with an employee or a few employees, who would I hire? Now, before I answer that, I feel like this question has a lot more going on that needs addressed. The first thing I want to say is that hiring somebody, going from one to two is actually a massive leap. Uh, you might already know that, but even just legally in terms of taxes, how, how you file your taxes, what kind of uh, business you are, if you're a sole proprietor versus a partnership versus uh, an LLC or whatever you want to um, go to, that leap is actually pretty massive, massive and it has a lot of implications about your business at the very core. And so, you know, that's a massive question about whether you're going to hire somebody or not. The other thing I think you need to think about before you start thinking about hiring somebody is, is your business scalable? Because it's, if it's not scalable, if, if you have to be doing the core of your work, if, if the service or the good that you're providing requires you to be at the forefront doing the work, then that work has to be so valuable that, that, that has to be such a luxury item. That has to be something that is so highly paid that you, can, you have the margin to pay someone else's salary. And so that's a really unique situation if it's not scalable. And so here's kind of my thought as an illustrator. I'm an illustrator and the, the core work that I do as an illustrator, I have to be doing it. And it's paid pretty well, but it's not paid with such great margins that I'm just, I have all this free cash ready to pay for somebody else. Like in order to command that kind of margin, you have to be kind of a, a celebrity level illustrator. And I think that even then the margin isn't uh, gigantic. So it's a big commitment to think about hiring somebody. And so the reason I say this is if you were a person and you came to me and you said, 
man, my house is just not big enough for me and my family. Like we're always just like, we're stepping all over each other and getting each other's way and our kitchen's too small and da, 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 da. Like I would not encourage you right there to jump in to buying a new house because buying a new house is a massive commitment. Upping your overhead is a massive commitment. It's a game changer. When you go, when you, uh, increase your mortgage, uh, significantly that changes everything else in your life. And it's, it's a really big commitment. And so before you jump into buying a new house to solve your space issue, I'd encourage you to think differently about the space that you already have. So what kind of storage things could you buy? How could you repurpose rooms? How could you partition things? How could you maybe just add a little bit to your house? And when it comes to hiring somebody, this is the way that I've thought about uh, my practice. Instead of th- when I, Whenever I got to this place where I was feeling overwhelmed, and I was tempted to hire somebody, I tried to find options that worked better for my situation. One of those was getting an agent. And so getting an agent, in my eyes, was was more like hiring somebody without having to fundamentally change my business. And so when I was getting bogged down by the negotiations and the emails and the questions and the inquiries and all that stuff, getting an agent helped me uh, solve a lot of those issues that freed up my time. And then also, you're actually uh, able to help with your spouse's business. And so my, my wife also helps with a lot of the admin and all kinds of stuff uh, within my business. And so I've tried to think creatively and put off hiring as long as I possibly can, because I think in order to do that successfully, you have to have some wild momentum. And so that's what I would encourage people to think about when it comes to hiring. Are there any other options or is it just so inevitable and this thing is so scalable that it really requires someone else coming on board? Because that commitment can uh, be make or break. Next up, we have a very, very special guest. Welcome designer Meg Lewis. Baby Meg, oh, I got a good question for you. How do you actively grow your business without oh, overselling? I gotta know right now. Whoa, oh my goodness, thank you so much. Extremely, extremely creepy, dude. Wow, uh, oh, I guess the question was. How do you actively grow your business without overselling? Uh, First of all, hey everybody, my name is Meg Lewis. I am a, just a, you know, a regular old designer. I'm currently living in Minneapolis where I recently moved and I'm totally loving it because it's fall and fall is the best. But I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm on this show today to talk about how I actively grow my business without overselling. And this is a really big deal for me because, you know, I'm constantly worried about taking on too much 
all of the time. And there has been a lot of times when I've oversold myself and I have have regretted it because I don't have any free time and I'm stressed out and everything sucks during those times. So the first thing that I like to do that I started doing a couple years ago is creating some passive income for myself. And passive income is really important because it allows me to sort of sit back and relax and let the money roll in. And I think that sounds really glamorous and it sounds really awesome and it sounds so easy. You know, like, oh, I used five minutes of my time to create, you know, thousands of dollars of income every month. Uh, (laughs) But as you probably know, it's not at all that easy. Whenever you create passive income, for me, it's been through online classes. It's been through, you know, selling products that I make through stores. It's been through creating digital assets that people can continue to buy for months and years on end. And it takes a lot of work when you're first setting up those passive income opportunities. You have to work your behind off to make these things beautiful and to make them timeless enough to where people will want to continue using them, taking the classes, and and buying those things from you. And, and you know, the money can be really nice because once you're done with it, you're done with it, and it takes a little bit of maintenance every month to keep it going. Um, but generally, you know, you can kind of just sit back and let the money roll in. And that's really nice. And for me, I taught a Skillshare class a couple years ago, and it's been extraordinarily amazing for passive income and just for allowing me to have a little bit more money in my bank account. And also, I teach a few other classes on Britain Co. And you know, and selling those items, those things I love to make in stores, has been really great for helping me to actually grow my business, to let me to you know actually sustain my life and my quality of life has been really nice. And it keeps my name out there and allows people to you know, interact with me in a way that I'm not actually present for. And that's pretty cool. So if I wanted to become a hermit or if I wanted to like go escape in the woods, I could and I would still be making money off of these (laughs) awesome passive income opportunities. But also, you know, actively growing my business without overselling means for me that I like to change and I like to adapt and I like to grow my career based on what I'm actually having fun doing. Um, This week, actually, I'm sculpting for the first time in my life and I'm having the best time doing it. I'm having so much fun sculpting things. And, you know, if I decide tomorrow that I want to become a sculptor instead of a graphic designer, I might do it because I like to change and grow my business and um, tailor my business around what I'm having fun doing and what I really enjoy doing in my life. So I think that growing my business for me means adapting to myself and adapting to my conditions and the people that I meet along the way. And the more stuff that I do, the more different kinds of things that I do, it tends to grow my business, you know, quite a lot. Because the more that I'm doing, the more that I'm putting myself out there, the more that I'm experimenting and being vulnerable and honest about my experiments and my failures, the more people really enjoy that and the more that I've seen my business actually grow. And I think that's really cool. But I've also learned to, you know, to avoid overselling. It's really important for me that I offload my work that I don't want to take on. There's a lot of conversation about saying no in our industry. You know, books have been written on this. Lots of medium posts have been written on this. But it can be really hard to say no whenever you have a lot of really, really fun opportunities. And what I've learned is 
over the years of me saying yes to all of the things that don't make me money, saying yes to all of the projects that do make me money and are super fun, and then realizing like, shoot, fire, I just oversold myself. I just took on way too much work. I have no time for myself. I have no time to eat lunch. I don't have time to sleep at night. And it makes me stressed out and I feel terrible even though I'm having a lot of fun with what I'm doing. So I think I've realized over the past couple of years that my happiness, my low stress level, having zero anxiety is so much more important than having fun with my work. And even though I'm having fun, it still gives me anxiety because there are people barking at me saying, where's the thing? Where's the thing? I need the thing. And when you have too many people doing that to you at once because you oversold, it doesn't make you feel very good. So to me, I've realized that it's most important for my well-being that I say no to things to give priority to myself and my anxiety levels and my own happiness because I need to take care of myself and if I oversell all of the time, I'm never going to have a moment to thank myself, to spend for myself and you know to give myself some self-care and self-love. So it's really important that I don't oversell for those those really important happiness reasons. And also what I love to do is instead of overselling, instead of saying yes to those things, whenever I say no, I like to turn it into a wonderful positive thing and actually offload that work onto one of my friends who needs it. So whenever I can't take something on or whenever I have to say no to something, I say, hold up a second. And I reach out to all of my other freelancer friends and see, you know, is anybody available? Does anybody need any work? And I ask them and a lot of times they do. So rather than saying, nope, sorry to the potential client and running off and not helping them, I like to say, no, I'm so sorry, I can't. But this amazing, awesome, person can actually do this for you and they would be better than me for these reasons and it leaves a happy relationship a positive relationship where they don't leave empty-handed and I can give my friend a really awesome project that I wanted to do but I just couldn't and so you know growing my business is really important to me you know and and obviously (laughs) um and it's quite easy to do without overselling Um, overselling just means that I become unhappy. I become stressed and anxiety riddled. And so if I can grow my business without overselling, that is just the absolute sweet spot. And I think that I found quite a few ways that I, that I can. Um, the biggest way actually is just to remain being myself. If I can be that person that I allow myself to be when I'm alone, if I can be that person in front of my clients, in front of social media, in front of, you know, colleagues and and coworkers and and people taking my classes then that helps my business so much and i've noticed this in the past couple of years when i've started doing this when i've started being myself is that when i'm myself when i'm vulnerable when i'm honest when i'm 100% me people love that people respond so much better to that cuz they can tell that i'm not a curated sort of version of a human um, they can tell that I'm a real person, and the more that I am truly myself with my work, then the more business I get. People really that really resonates with them, and so growing my business has actually been going really well as far as I'm just 
making sure to be myself. And uh, that's been the number one way that I have actually grown my business. So those are my thoughts on generally how I've grown my business without overselling. And thank you so much for having me on the show today. Again, my name is Meg Lewis. If you want to find me on the internet, my username is at darn good. That was darn good with four O's. Four O's, everybody. So that's my social media handle. If you want to find me on the internet, uh, my website is but.guru. Uh, that is B-U-T-T dot guru. That is my URL. Go there. You can see my work. You can see some weird stuff about me. And maybe you can see what my face looks like. Um, it's horribly disfigured. Bye, everybody. That concludes another episode of Ask a Freelancer. Don't forget to check out Cushion at cushionapp.com. I'm your host, Andy J. Miller. You can find my illustration portfolio and my other podcast, Creative Pep Talk, at www.andyj.pizza. Thanks to Nate Utesh and his band Metavari for the tunes. You can listen to more at soundcloud.com slash metavari. Thanks to Meg Lewis for being our special guest. Send us your freelance questions on Twitter at Cushion App, and it may just be answered in the next show. See you later.